Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. Thousands and thousands of women and families, so women and men, having a baby every single year have been badly affected by COVID-19. And Sarah Flynn is from the is the antenatal educator at Maternity Hospitals. I'm sure I said that wrong. Um, but uh, Sarah, good afternoon to you. How are you? How are you doing, Niall? How are you? I'm good. Sarah, a very tough time for people having babies because thousands of babies are born every single year. Um, obviously, the, the woman having the baby wants either the husband or the partner or a mum or somebody with her uh, for a bit of moral support while she's having the baby. Not the easiest chore in the world to have a child. And now that's kind of all been taken away or certainly with very limited restrictions. So how are they getting on? Oh, Niall, it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult. Um, I, as you said, I, I'm an antenatal educator. I'm, I'm meeting these kind of parents all the time. And I, even during COVID, I would have been dealing with them online and recently kind of coming back in to meet me. And it's just been so, so difficult. I suppose first you have to kind of say right off the bat, like what I'm talking about here, this isn't a criticism of frontline workers at the hospitals. You know, we, we all know the threat of COVID and that there have to be adaptations or whatever. And mothers got on board really willingly with all the restrictions for the last six months at the sacrifice of their own mental and emotional well-being. But I think what's happening now is there's a real struggle in understanding the kind of the current reasoning or the risk assessment that's taking place when they're watching kind of all these other things opening up. So I've been talking to women who, I mean, have miscarried alone in early pregnancy units. I've spoken to a lady over the weekend, um, it's actually even upsetting to even talk about it, who was speaking about the trauma. She received news that there was no heartbeat at the scan on her own and had to make the phone call out of the car to her husband to make the decision as to what they were going to do next. That's shocking. Um, when you, when you, and I want to put this into perspective for people. So there's a woman who's going through the most traumatic time in her life. Her husband is outside the door in his car because he's not allowed in. Um, and... Meanwhile, and, I, and I, I, I am being a little bit flippant when I say this, meanwhile, you can go and get your hair done. And we're not putting things into perspective. We're not uh, the, the, of the importance of how important it is for her husband to be there or a partner to be there or for somebody to be there just to hold her hand while she's making that decision or while they're making that decision. Of course. And midwives and hospitals have... I have no doubt that they are doing it with the absolute professionalism and doing their absolute best and have that empathy. But it's not a straight swap or a substitute for the other parent of the child. And, you know, dads, and I know I'm saying dads, it could be the other partner or, like you said, mm. the mum or the sister, whoever. But in a lot of cases, this is the other parent. You know, this, this is their child as well. And they've been completely disconnected from the whole thing. I've spoken to women who've had, you know, who have babies in NICU, so in NICU, where mothers themselves are maybe only getting 30 minutes with their own baby dad is not getting in at all so hasn't perhaps seen his baby in in weeks and i mean they are part of baby's care team and even if they had to visit separately to mum with social distancing or whatever and we understand our Mm -hmm. hospitals are old i think covid has brought up across the board a lot of infrastructural issues you know but they're coming from the same bubble, if you want to use that I know, term. I, know. I, I, I heard a girl yesterday, I think it was on radio or TV, I can't remember, but she was, uh, she had a baby, but the, she had a personal complication. Now, the baby was fine, but she had a personal complication. And she had to stay in hospital for five days. The husband got in for 15 minutes on the first day to see her, and that was it. She said she cried for the whole five days. Um, she tried to sign herself out of the hospital on numerous occasions, but they wouldn't let her. And she said it was the most traumatic experience she's ever had. And childbirth shouldn't be it. It should be a beautiful and wonderful experience, not a traumatic one. 
A hundred percent. And I mean, this is something that I, I suppose, again, I owe Tim, I'm probably a bit biased because this is what I do every day, but it can be such a positive experience and should be. And even with COVID and if, and I just love listening to Professor Glyn there before, like, or, or, or Ronan Collins, when we're speaking about this, like, we're going to have to learn to live alongside this virus and we have to think about what are the long-term effects of this going to be. So how can we do this in a compassionate way? And I mean, But am, am, I, am I very yeah. ignorant in thinking that the one place, when we talk about pubs and hairdressers and everything else, these, these are people who are not trained to deal in sterile environments. They're adapting to it, right? So we're all adapting to, sterile, to being sterile and trying to, you know, a little bit, a bit more conscious of, you know, our distance and washing our hands and all that. But surely hospitals are a place where people who have trained for four years, who have lived their whole lives in sterile environments or more sterile environments, surely it should be easier for them to adapt. I, I would say that this is very much a case. I'd say social distancing definitely plays into it as in a physical lack of space. I guess it's a case whereby I think I think six months ago or when this all started way back in, in March when it seems a million years ago now, I think women and across the board, I think we were all very reasonable. We understood, okay, initially we're going to do the, oh, maybe slightly be overcautious. We're going to, we're going to put in place these restrictions to see, to see what happens. But as things evolve and as we see other things opening up, it just seems very, very hard to understand why I suppose some of these, and now I will acknowledge the likes of um, the National Maternity Hospital there in Dublin, they seem to be easing back up some restrictions, but then that raises the question of if it can be done in one hospital, we why not in the mall? Why not across the board? This isn't a Dublin issue or this isn't a one hospital issue. This is something that's kind of an issue across the board. And I guess knowing all that we do about continuity of care, and there's really clear kind of evidence of the benefits of that to birth and maternal outcomes, you know, the fact the midwife that meets you when you're in labour may not have ever met you before, and she could be wonderful and, and, and that, but it's not a substitute for for somebody that's it's not a substitute for your partner or your death. mother or your sister or no, whoever it is not. that is meant to be with you, of course, and because they're the one fair, that understands you. Statement, yeah. That's not a criticism. That's just, you know, that's reality. Because they're the ones that you trust to hold your hand or fan you or give you the glass of water or whatever it is that whatever. you have to see at that particular time. The simple support things, Niall, and you know this, it's, it, it's different. I think, I, again, I'm, I'm using the term dad, but for partner, whoever, sometimes it's actually the present. I know even my own experience, it was, it was knowing someone was there and they had your back and they were there beside you. And, and, you know, I know sometimes what we're hearing is, oh, and I'm seeing these kind of comments online and online's a great place for this, but, you know, oh, well, sure, they're there for the main bit. They're there for the active birth or the active labor. But the thing is, Early labour is not unimportant. Yeah. For many, that's actually the tough stage. That's the bit where you need to keep the mental and the physical stamina, you know, where that support is needed more than ever, particularly maybe in the case of something like an induction where you could be there for you could be there for a day or two on an antenatal ward. Yeah. And and then of course you're gonna be in if it's your first baby, you're gonna be in hospital for two or three days. If it's your second or third, obviously yeah. it's it's a shorter period of time. But I think what's more important, apart from the first baby situation, which means a lot to people as well and the partner to be there, etc. etc., it's those who get the bad news and I think you, you touched on that at the start and I think that's the unfortunate part of all this it's the, the woman who's been told you know that she's had a miscarriage maybe or been told that she's her baby is not going to survive or been told some really really bad news and to be on your own getting news like that that that's something that will stay with you for the rest of your life it's traumatic. This is, is genuinely, we're going to be looking at long-term trauma here with these parents. Like there, there is absolutely, I, I don't think that's an unfair thing to say. And again, I have no doubt that there, that those who are dealing with these scenarios are doing so in the most sensitive way that they can. 
But I mean, as one dad actually said to me during the week, and I know it may be slightly oversimplistic, but he goes, you know, I can have 50 at a wedding, but I can't attend an anomaly scan with my wife. And, you know, that's, that's really, I think... That, that sums, sums it up. up. It does you know, actually it sum it up. up. And, and this is the point I'm making, because at the wedding you've got hoteliers who are not trained to deal, you know, in sterile environments, and they have to adapt... But yet in hospitals, we imagine, I know you mentioned space is a problem, but in hospitals, you would imagine they could adapt easier because they've always done that and they've always dealt in sterile environments. And there's, look, and for people who work on the front line, you know, my hat's off to them, but that's their job. And they've always put themselves at a level of risk because we've always had MRSA, winter vomiting bugs in hospitals. You know, we've always had infections that run through hospitals every now and again. So there was always that kind of risk. And by the way, thankfully, COVID-19 is not too much of a risk to those people under the age of 65 who work in the healthcare uh, sector. There have sadly been some passings. Um, but in general, in the general t- uh, terms, it doesn't seem to be too much of a risk to them. Look, I can understand now from a hospital point of view, from, you know, I, I don't envy them. It has to be difficult to make these risk assessments, to make these decisions. They have to weigh up the threat of COVID. But I think for a lot of the women and the families that I am speaking to, they're really trying to understand, has there actually been any consideration of the risks associated and the poor outcomes that come with this lack of support? They've been so understanding and cautious. In my experience, the pregnant women have been uber cautious during COVID because, you know, they're so conscious of their own but as we learn to live alongside the virus, I think we can be mindful of the threat of COVID 100%, but we have to recognise that these other factors are equally important. We can't just replace, you know, why we've got the threat of COVID, but if we're replacing that with these, these huge traumatic scenarios for people and, and that feeling of being alone. And as you, you, you touched on it yourself there, Niall, even the days in the hospital afterwards, you know, one woman I was speaking to, she said she was in the same nightdress for, for days. She didn't even, she was afraid to put her baby down. She was struggling to get baby to feed and to latch. And then she was trying to go and get a shower and she had nobody even to hold her baby to say, you go get a shower. You and, and by the way, this must be, it must be very difficult for the dads too who are at home going, yeah, I, I, I want to bond with the baby. I want to hold the baby. I mean, we've always said how important this is. And yet they're not being allowed to. Blue in the face saying it. 100%. You know, without those early days and those early hours, like, I mean, in terms of bonding and infant early infant development and all that are so, so important. And we yep. know all of this. And I guess, I guess at this stage, and to put it in very, very simple terms, I guess what... what families I'm speaking to and I suppose what I would love to see is a review and then clear communication clear communication of if there's going to be x y and z restrictions in place even as they adapt and change this is the evidence basis this is the reason why and I think that's fair I think well, that, well, that's what that's what we've said about everything else and this is what the pubs and the hospitality sector and everybody's saying if you're going to keep us closed show us some sort of evidence uh, yeah, you know that, that we're actually a risk to society somewhat which turns out they weren't really a risk to society because there's very few cases or clusters in pubs and hospitality anyway so they were asking for the evidence. Same the GAA. They asked Ronan Glynn the same thing. If you're going to not let us have supporters, show us the risks because we've seen no cases or we've seen no risks. Uh, and, and I think the same has to go here. If it is a risk to have a husband or a mother or sister in, uh, you know, in the labour ward, show us the risk. Show you know us the I mean? risk. And I know, I know Dr. Glynn last night at the press conference was asked about this. 
word he used was pragmatism. I think that's that's a fair word, and I'd like to see it being used, and I'd like to see, you know, and that not, and that this doesn't just blow over maybe that one hospital maybe make some changes, and then the others do not. Women are having babies right across the country. This isn't a, a double... How many babies are born every year, by the way? Do you, do you know? Oh, gosh, I don't have to figure off the top of my head. Right, and okay. I'd be <laughs> I'm sure it's thousands. <laughs> I'm sure it's thousands, anyway. Thousands, yes, 100%. And, yeah. you, know, you know, COVID, I think, as well, has highlighted probably probably some disadvantage for those even outside the cities too, even in terms of services like your lactation consultants and your, your antenatal classes and your physios, etc. Mm. But physical distance from the hospitals makes accessing these services, it makes it more difficult at the best of times, but now when a lot of them have been cancelled, it's just, it's just generally very difficult and that's not to take from the threat of COVID, but my goodness, have you seen the response that messages I've got, you'd want to be made of stone to not, to I know, not I know. I don't know. I do know of one particular instance of a, a similar situation to what you were talking about earlier on about somebody being told that their baby wasn't going to survive and um, the father being outside the door. By the way, just to mention as well, there's in and around uh, 60,000 babies a year, according uh, to an update of the figures as of 2019. I think that figure's probably going to rise by the end of this year because there was, they're expecting a little bit of a baby boom probably closer to November, December, maybe this year. Uh, listen, thank you very much indeed. Sarah Flynn, who's the antenatal educator at Mat- Hospitals, isn't thank you very much indeed for coming on the air, and I appreciate it. All right, now, by the way, if you've had an experience, maybe you're having a baby, maybe you've had a baby, what was the experience like? Because if there's 60,000 years out there having bloody babies, well, that's a lot of babies, isn't it? So if you've had a baby, let me know. I should have known the figure was 60,000 actually, because when you think about it, 60,000 people did the leaving cert, so 60,000 people are of the same age, if you know what I mean. So I should have guessed it would have been around, around 60,000 um, every year, the 60,000 new human beings in the country. So what I want to know is, bringing those new human beings into this world can be very traumatic. And there are many pregnant women out there. There are many, uh, this is, by the way, the plan is for this living with the virus and the social distancing and measures to go on. It seems to be almost infinite at this stage. But in saying that, are you in that situation? Are you having a baby soon? How are you getting on? Uh, how was the scans? Could the husband go with you? The partner go with you? Your mum or whoever it was that was going with you? And how, you know, how traumatic is this experience being? Or maybe, sadly, you've been given bad news and you, were no, you had nobody there by your side. Uh, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. The number is 87 188 That's 87 You can WhatsApp or text. Maybe it's your first baby, by the way. Don't be worried. It'll be grand. It says on my screen here that Jay had a baby. <laughs> Jay had a baby. Is that Jay had a baby during COVID? Jay, well done to you. It's a miracle of science. I have to say, my man. Good afternoon, Noel. Thanks very much. I even got me figure back. <laughs> Jay, when did you, when did your missus have the baby? I was actually talking to you uh, back in February. Remember at the start of the Corona? Um, my partner. Oh, this is, was my eighth child. Remember we had that. that and, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Your eighth yeah. child. Yeah. I I spent four weeks sleeping outside the hospital in my truck, Noel, because I was the only one that could go in and sleep. But I can imagine if you continue having children, you'll spend the rest of your life sitting outside in the truck having no, to sleep. No, it's done. It? Done and dusted now. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Right. It's chopped off now, is it? No, it's not. Nobody's getting near that thing. I told you. <laughs> I just got a bigger truck with bigger diesel tanks, but I don't go home as much anymore. <laughs> so if this is the eighth one, um, and yep. you, sp- you you had to basically park outside the hospital well he he decided to arrive nine weeks early right okay at the start of COVID so okay only 30, 31 weeks whatever that is okay so he, was, he was a very very sick little baby at the start okay is he okay um, now oh come here I'll, I'll send you the picture when I finish the phone call when you see okay. he just basically sits upright and says feed me <laughs> right <laughs> he just he's, uh, he's, he's 11 pound 12 pound now he was 3 pound born 
Right, okay. Put it that way. So you can just imagine. So he's made like, up for lost time very quickly. All right, oh, okay. my God, he has. But, like, he spent his first five five weeks in an uh, in a ICU and in a, you know, in one of them little... An incubator. The incubators. Yeah. And uh, my partner lived down the country. Right. We lived down the country, as you know, and they couldn't deal with us down there, so they sent us to Hollis Street. Uh, just because it's the best place in the country and we were happy with that but for the first four weeks I was there every night uh, after work at six o'clock I parked the truck outside they had a little spot for me and I'd stay there until they literally threw me out into my bed I'd go up every morning and say good morning until we fire got back into the truck and like that right okay that, that was grand yeah. my partner was so at ease now she was missing him and you know the tears yeah, and all of course, yeah. and a bad mother because I can't be with my child and what people well, that, yeah, it must have been hospital. very traumatic for her you know oh, yeah. no, I, I had loads of people trying to convince her like you have other kids like he, he this has is not father. your fault yeah this is not your fault no no we're a team we're a partnership you yeah. go look at the other two I'll go to work and look at and it was great and then all of a sudden I was told you can't come in here anymore and what, what week what week were you at that stage when you were told we you were let me see we, this was going into the fifth week this was his fifth week and you so couldn't. this would have been the, this would have been so neither of you are allowed in at this stage no well she was down the country well she was down the country anyway yeah, yeah so she so couldn't you, so oh no we had to up sticks because she wasn't leaving our child in his hospital on his own so she had to up sticks and get up to Dublin stay in a mass with the other two kids it was you know yourself with all this going on her parents were old Corona was on, and it was just a total nightmare. And then for the doctor, the nurse to turn around and just say, "No, you're not allowed in here." I says, "Why not? Uh, mothers only." I says, "But my partner lives down the country." I says, "Oh well, well no, no, hold on. I, I'm, okay, now I'm a bit confused. So yeah. they wouldn't now. The birth had already happened, and there's no, you that, know, the, that, that and there's no medical reason. Okay, that but, but, but now the point I'm trying to make here: yeah. there's no medical reason to differentiate between mother and father now because the birth has happened. No, but they wouldn't. So they wouldn't let you in. No, after four weeks, I was just told, got a phone call to say you couldn't come up anymore. But they'd let uh, your wife in? Mothers only. Now, That's and ridiculous. I think, I just, but now, listen to this. As I try to explain to my job, you know my job, I'm on my own constantly in the truck, so I'm at less risk than my wife who would, be, who would have happened to come up on public transport, yeah? Absolutely. Nobody comes near me, nobody comes near me. No, but, no, but, but, that, but that's even beside the point. The point yeah. is, I can understand mothers getting preference, obviously, during the birth and for a couple oh, yeah. of days afterwards. Yeah. But but we're five weeks in now. The mother yeah. and father should be equally treated equally because they're both parents. No. And the fact that they would say to you that you're not allowed in, no, but your wife is. And I asked them, I said, that's discrimination. She it is. Said, no. It is discrimination. No, I was told, no, she hung up. Uh, I went through all this. And I even asked, I said, if my partner had a diet childbirth, I said, no, just put the scenario to us. Of course, yeah. I said, I'd be the only uh, parent that child has. Would would say, yeah, would they say now that you're not allowed in? Yeah. They, no, she couldn't answer me. She hung up the phone. That's awful. Just put down the phone. So I basically spent the first four and a half weeks of my child's life with them and then being told, you have no access to them. And it was a week and a half before you get out of the hospital. So I didn't get to see them then for that with a week and a half. And, you've, and, and I'm not being real, but uh, there's certain... Females out there to tell me what big deal is that to me? I didn't have the baby. I'm only the father. Blah blah blah. And I said it's not the point. The point is, I was there from the second that child was born. I was the first person to hold him before he was put into this incubator, based to give him a kiss because we weren't sure if he was going to get back or not. And then to be told all of a sudden I'll have to spend all my nights didn't see my other kids because I didn't want to contaminate myself. I kept myself in the truck, wouldn't let anybody in or out, wouldn't let anybody hand anything in or hand anything out. Everything was done to the back door of the truck. You know the docket and all? Yeah, yeah. Just so I was, I made sure I was sterile. I brought changed the clothes. I had hand sanitizer all over the truck, the whole lot, and it was just all point blank. No. That's awful. Yeah. That, that, I, I don't care. That's an absolute case of discrimination. Yeah, yeah. I, it'd be, no, don't get me wrong. It'd be different if it was the day after the birth. 
If it was you know, me, I'd be Yeah, and the mother was still that. in hospital. You know, yeah, and, and, obviously uh, she gets preference. And I came in head to toe and yeah. spent... Yeah, I understand now, but I had spent four weeks outside the doors of the hospital in my truck and they see me every night because there was the past comment on me. That's a, that's then, absolutely, absolutely oh, awful. Yeah, and then to be told no, no more. Sorry. Oh, that's that's ridiculous. There's no there's no scientific reasoning for that whatsoever, no, apart, no, apart from just some sort of old fashioned, old school thinking. Yeah, yeah. That the mother, that the mother is more entitled you. than you are. Yeah, that's yeah. awful. But like that, my my partner couldn't get up every day because of where we lived. And all well, no, no, logically, obviously, yeah, logically. Well, but, but, but stay there for a second because I want to go to Dave Young, comedian Dave Young. He's been on the show a few times before. Hi, Dave. You had, Dave, you're, you're producing an awful lot of children lately. What's going on with you? You just had another one last week. Last Friday, little baby girl. Right, congratulations, yeah, well, it's, Dave. It's, not a lot of, it's hardly a lot of kids. It's number two. Well, number two, I know. But, it's, but, yeah, but I'm just saying, the last, the, the last time you were in here, you had your girlfriend with you and she was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> you're making up for lost time. <laughs> I certainly am. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean... Well, the girlfriend go ahead. is uh, Polish. Yep. Yeah. And I invaded Poland from the rear, and Greece helped, and along came baby number two. Not romantic. Beautiful. Absolutely and, uh, amazing. I'll ignore the last remark, but it was that amazing. That guy's story there, and that's terrible. Now, lucky enough, for me, it was a lot more straightforward, and thank God. Um, she was nine and a half pounds. It was like a little oven-ready turkey came along. Um, but similar in the sense of I wasn't allowed to go in, so I dropped Mark to the hospital at half six on Friday morning. And she was two weeks late, so um, they had to uh, induce, they had to bring the baby on. Yeah, induce labor, yeah. After 11 days, they have to do that. Yeah. Or as the mother kept saying to me, are they going to seduce her? So let's go, let's go <laughs> to the inducing. So they induced her. They induced her, and um, she said to me, it's going to take 24 hours. And then at one o'clock, she rang me, and she said, my waters are broke. Now, I live in Wicklow. So I shot down, got there a little after two, straight in, no problem. They let me into the ward with her. We went into the delivery ward at four o'clock, and at 28 minutes past four, the baby was born. Now, I did notice a couple of things. Like, when I got there at two o'clock, the visiting hours are from two to half three. There was a queue of, I'm not joking, about 80 daddies queuing outside to go in. And we were all standing there, you know, in the in the queue, kind of giggling type of thing. So Talking about football and smoking. Yeah. Number one, yeah. <laughs> which was three and a half years ago. Yeah. Another thing that was very new was when we were having the first kid in the delivery room, there was four nurses at all times. Yeah. Four. And then when it actually came to the last couple of pushes, in came another couple. Yeah. In this gig, there was one nurse, a little Italian girl. She was fabulous. And basically, myself and the Italian girl delivered baby. Four okay. Weeks. So th- so it. they're reducing the amount of nurses for obviously social distancing yeah. reasons or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Now, do they uh, not do they not pardon, but they do not test the wife. I mean surely they can do a covid test and just to, so it makes everybody more at ease that nobody in the room has covid. Can they not You would think uh, that. You would imagine there's so. no test. There's just questions when you go in the usual have you been yeah. away with the thing yeah. and you know, the comedy part of my brain kind of kicks in and kind of goes, well, you could say anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You could be standing there with your luggage and your airline ticket and your mouth <laughs> going, no, I've been anywhere. And was. Dave, the, was there any other restrictions? Were you limited in the amount of time you could spend with your with your wife? Now, our partner, that would have been a second baby. So yeah. she was out fairly quick, wasn't she? She was 28 minutes, yeah. No, I mean, I don't mean the baby, I mean your wife. How long did you stay in hospital for? <laughs> no, no, she was a half an hour. No, 28 minutes. The baby was born at uh, half four on Friday, and I collected her at half four on Saturday. 
Right, so she lives only for They've got to keep you for 24 hours. I know, I know, for your first baby. Do they still, I don't know, Jay, you're a dab hand of the old baby thing. Do they still <laughs> keep your wife or your partner in hospital for, is it three days for the first yeah, baby, isn't for the it? First, but for the first baby, she was kept in for four or five days. Second baby, she was out after three. And then this would basically... But you're on your eight now, so I imagine it's just yeah. straight out of the labour ward and back into the car, ah, is it? Just, <laughs> go back to work yeah, quickly. With the sounds of it, it's straight back into bed. Straight <laughs> <laughs> back to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, your fault, Mister Boyle. By the way, I still have not forgiven you. What? I mentioned the snip about four years. Oh ago, yeah, the snip. Convince me to get the snip. Yeah, Dave's getting it, it as well. I put it off. But Dave, get it quick because you'll be waiting for no, him. Oh, no, we're not getting. No way. I'm just delighted at 51. It still works. Who would give him an award? Uh, was he, Dave? Now you have the added advantage of having a, mu- a much younger partner. I have to say, uh, your wife or your partner? Is it your wife or partner? His partner? Is it your partner? My, yeah. She's actually my everything. I have a theory. If you really love someone, why would you marry them? She's your everything. But she's, she's upset. Everything. She is younger than you, isn't she? She is, yeah. There's a few years in between. It's one of the, I don't know, 17. She's 68. She's looking fucking great. I have to say. Yes, please. for her age, I swear to God. <laughs> and having a baby at 68. Are you planning on having more, Dave? I probably, probably, yeah. Look, I'd be honest with you, if I had enough money, I'd fill the house with kids. Would you? I have 12. Oh, I swear Jay, to God. Uh, Jay yeah. will give you a few tips. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was 47. 47? 47 having the first kid. So for what? all those years, and I'm an only child, I knew nothing about kids, I knew nothing about brothers and sisters, all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, and I grew up, like, very poor. Like, there was nothing in the house. And In fact, when I was a kid, we, we, we had to play seek. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, mom and dad used to bring me swimming in the canal. I panicked. I thought I'd never get out of the Tesco trolley in the black bag. <laughs> so what mean? So at 47, suddenly having kids. And it's, uh, honestly, anybody out there who's thinking of having kids, just go for it. Jay, can, well, Jay, can I ask? Kids. I mean, Jay, you're a dab hand of it at this stage. I mean, <laughs> I, maybe I haven't asked this before, but why eight kids? I mean... I, I, do, do, you, do, you, oh, <laughs> do you just love kids? Like I love them, yeah. No, honestly, yeah, because that know, would be somebody else's idea of a nightmare, by the way. You just no, have... no, no, no. As you know, a few families out, but we'll see when I get them all together, it is absolute bedlam, and I love every 48 hours. I only get 48 hours with the job I have. Like, I get 48 hours off one week, 24 yeah. off the next week. You know that, right? So yeah. It's just when I am home, and my missus will tell you, the house just gets, she can't wait, she's packing my bag from the afternoon. Yeah, but you're, you're in a very lucky situation where, as you said yourself, you're a long distance lorry driver. You only have 48 hours with your kids <laughs> or 24 hours. So, you, you, well, you, so you're so you not there I dealing with it all the time. Well, didn't I, Noel? What? Uh, I only became a long distance truck driver after my sixth child. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing before that? Short distance. That's why I had six. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> And Dave, you know, I see Dave. You're, bo- I reckon you're bored at the moment. See, the problem is the comedy yeah, gigs. No have, there's no work for you, so I reckon you're bored, Dave. And the devil makes work for idle hands. You know, you know what I mean? You know, you know as that fella that keeps on ringing you all the time that says, "You're right now. You're right now." <laughs> the reason I'm doing this now is I'm trying to make an audience. I'm going to have so many kids. I'm going to sit them all and because it's terrible. I don't make laughs. When the postman comes every morning, he gets the show. When I open the fridge and the light comes on, I start singing. Mental. Is it okay, Charles? No, but I, I tell you, on a serious note, Noel, I tell you, for 47 years, I knew nothing about kids. Now, Christmas has a different meaning. Easter, uh, birthdays, 
kids put the meaning into it. Oh, everything. no, I agree with you. They do. You know. And, 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 and Christmas, by the way, and I, and I don't want to horse corn on people who don't have children because that would be very unfair of me, but children do make Christmas. And they make they Christmas a very special time. Christmas can be a very special time anyway, but when you have children, it becomes a very different special time. And I wouldn't even say it's just Christmas. Even you could be having a crappy day and, you know, like my little child. Sorry, sorry, sorry can I go across there for a second? Yeah, yeah go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. David, there is nothing like getting that video call at 7 o'clock in the morning when he wakes up for his bottle. I ride out in the truck. You know that way? That literally yeah, yeah. puts a smile on my face and a pep in my step. Right, there's, there's, yeah. there's no greater fear to it, honestly. Well, you get a video call of a of yeah, house now. Usually, usually do the way around. And um, Marta gets a call from me, and I'm halfway through a bottle of Southern Comfort, and it's a little call in the morning from downstairs. <laughs> and by the way, just before you go, Dave, any? I mean, look, I know there's no announcement from the government yet, but and I normally yeah. do the big Christmas uh, do in the red cow every year. Yeah, yeah, the red cow every year. So I'm assuming that they're not taking bookings yet, for, or are they taking bookings, thinking that no. maybe open or? I think hotels and venues at the moment are just trying to get open or delighted to be open and nobody's actually thinking about Christmas because the second wave could come. Like Because normally this time of the year you'd be on the air telling us about your Christmas party yeah. in the Red Cow. Yeah. We'd be advertising, say, from the end of August. Yeah. This Christmas seems to be, you know, written off, basically, because I'd say there will be gigs a night here, a night there, that type of thing. and there'll be, But all the corporate stuff, all the weddings, and the big show, like where I would do... 16 or 30 nights in a venue. Not, not definitely not happening this year. Mm. Definitely not. Well, so, may, maybe next year. Listen, lads, I have to go to break. Dave, thanks very much indeed, and I wish you luck. Well, you and, and your missus, all right. And thanks, Jay. Uh, have a good one, all right. I know you're a busy man there. Not just with the eight kids, but work as well. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.